Ladies and gents, welcome to Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. It's the solo show. Uh, it's episode 162, The Reckoning. It's time to try and uh, make sense of the senseless. It's time to take a walk through the aftermath of the United Kingdom. A nation once great. A union once united. But now firmly on the way out, uh, quite evidently. Maybe we've had our glory days. I don't know. We're on the downward keel, aren't we? I mean, we are, right? We're all friends here, aren't we? We're all grown-ups. There's no sense bullshitting. You're good enough to offer your time to listen to me rant, you know, for an hour or so. The least I can do is not make that be an hour of lies. You know, the bare minimum is that I'm not lying to you in the hour of your day that you give me. Let's just, you know, keep this honest. And by proxy, and by <laughs> USP, a little sad and dispiriting. We'll, we'll keep it that way also. Uh, if it was upbeat or happy, it would be lies. <laughs> like all happiness is lies, Aid. Um, wow. Starting happy today. Starting upbeat, clearly. Um, sorry if any of you were in a real great mood, and now this is the buzzkill. But, you know, that is kind of the deal with this podcast. Like, some podcasts are there to uplift you, aren't they? There's no shortage of those ones. You can go and check those out if you want happiness. Some are comedy-based. Some are inspiring. A lot of them now seem to be, you know, it'd be like a husband and wife uh, or two best friends making each other laugh. You know, they'll be like, oh, oh my God, like, do, you, do you remember the time that we drank your dad's cabernet and watched Labyrinth? Oh, that was, that was hilarity in a handbag, Rita. It really was hilarity in a handbag. That should be the name of our podcast. A anyway, here's a quick advert for a subscription service fruit basket. Jump, jump onto fruitfromfrances.com forward slash handbag. Like, there's a lot of that shit. A lot of it uplifting comedic healthy happy inspiring there's a lot of those if that's what you're after this is not that if it's your first time listening actually the other one is you know it'd be somebody's like uh narrated life story i've i've heard of a few of those going out now you know sort of biography-ish audio book kind of thing and then like at the end of each episode it'll be it'll be like wow you know and she made it out of that. And then she started a bakery. And that is, that's lovely. And she, she did it with her new husband. And that's nice, man. Like, I, I hope I can meet someone like that. And who knows, you know, maybe in five years or, or ten years, maybe we could be. And then I, I come crashing in with this podcast. I'm like, this is probably the last year or two of your life, of all of our lives. <laughs> I bring the real. Consider this your twice-weekly voice note of veracity or some shit. Anyway, what's going on out there? Now I've suitably brought the tone down and your emotional well-being. Uh, what's going on? So it's Boris Johnson's reckoning. Uh, or it was yesterday. Cheers, by the way. Um, I always hold my breath with, with Boris Johnson like... Like, it's felt so many times 
as though he's about to get his just desserts, hasn't it? And then it's just a big fat nothing burger every time. Like, how many times did it feel like he was about to get kicked out of Downing Street? And then you'd be like, oh, that slippery, odious fucker has survived again. And of course, he did eventually get kicked out. But it wasn't for, you know, trying to disband the standards committee to get his mate off. It wasn't for corruptively getting his donors to pay for his wallpaper. It wasn't even for Partygate. It was eventually, everyone forgets this, everyone assumes it was for Partygate because that was the big, you know, egregious, insulting sidestep or misstep of his premiership. But it was actually for promoting a sexual predator and lying about his knowledge of the guy Chris Pincher, he was like running around grabbing people's dicks and shit. And then he got found out as having lied about that. And then eventually he was removed from power. But anyway, now here we are a year later. And this stubborn motherfucker just won't fuck off. (laughs) It's like a a stubborn Veruca, you know, like why? Why is he still trying to make a comeback? Riddle me that. That is what I don't get. Like, if you're a narcissist, if you're financially chaotic as well, but if like if you like being liked and you like being the centre of attention, wouldn't it just be easier to leave the shit pay and the constant, you know, journalists prying into your financial affairs and struggling to pay for your nanny and wallpaper. Like, wouldn't it just be easier to fuck all that off, go and do terrible speeches for lots of money, live in your big house with its moat, and, I don't know, like, host a show on talk TV once a week, maybe write a column, have a live studio audience that tell you that you're amazing, you know, on a Friday night cheering you on? I don't know, like, wouldn't that feel like a more comfortable, natural habitat for a narcissistic albino yeti like Boris Johnson, wouldn't it? Like, if you like being liked, why bother pushing for this so hard where, like, half the country hate your fucking guts? Why bother, you know? Anyway, there he was yesterday with his, um, with his legal team paid for by us obviously doesn't pay for a thing himself it seems uh, 200,000 pounds on that legal team i don't know how many of you listening to this uh, watched <laughs> witnessed the visage of his committee hearing yesterday if you did watch it do you think that was good value for money 200,000 pounds for those lawyers and then that performance that that money yielded. Do you think that was good, <laughs> good, good value for money? I don't know. And don't forget the days, you know, running up to this, right? This reckoning. The, the coverage that we've seen in the newspapers, the Telegraph is rolling out these pieces earlier in the week. Like, what was it? Like, Boris's bombshell dossier set to exonerate him. And... And one of the other papers was like, Boris, I'm ready for the fight. And so there was this sort of feeling, this context being woven, weaved, whatever the word is, like 
that this, you know, there was a chance this could go well for him. This could, you know, he's got his ducks in a row. He's got his expensive legal team. The press are obviously privy to information that I'm not because they seem to think this could go very well for him. And then in he comes into the committee room. It's the star of the show. In he comes. Hand on the Bible. Swearing to tell the truth. The whole truth. And which is just like, I don't know. Like I said this on TikTok earlier, right? But the only way it's forgivable to ask a proven liar like Boris Johnson to swear on the Bible to, to say the truth. The only way that's forgivable is if you're taking the piss. You know, like if this is sarcastic, then fair play. But otherwise, this shit is ridiculous. This motherfucker has lied to his wife. He's lied about laying down dead in a ditch rather than signing that Brexit deal. He lied about the £350 million a week on the bus. He lied about whether he knew that Pincher was a sex pest before he gave him the chief whip job. He lied about how many kids he has. Then he's up there with a hand on the book like, I promise to tell you the truth this time. <laughs> like, oh, OK. All right. This should be good. Don't, don't fuck us around this time. Though. No, 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 no. You can definitely trust me this time. 19th time lucky, guys. Like, why do people still believe him? Why does the Express put... Like, this is today. They put this headline out, even after everything. Why does the Express put, hand on heart, I did not lie to the house? Why they put that on their front page? Why is his word worth fucking dick one? Like, do you guys remember, uh, remember this? Like, this was a couple of years ago. This is one of my favourites. I think it was the um, the Department for International Development. Or was it Department for in Investment? In I can't remember what it was. I, I seem to remember it had like an acronym of like DFID. Is it DFID? Anyway, it was Department International Aid or Development or, or something. And this guy, I can't remember who he was. Some conservative gentleman. And Johnson had promised this guy that his department would be safe after the election. Promised him. <laughs> and, then, and then they win the election and Johnson scraps it, just flushes it down the toilet almost immediately. And the guy gave an interview. He was like, I, I, I just uh, I can't believe it. I mean, he, he looked me in the eye and promised he wouldn't do this. And yet here we are a couple of years later and still... People are like, well, if the liar says he's telling the truth, that that's good enough for me. <laughs> right. OK, cool. Like I was saying on Twitter the other day, if I had known, if only I had known uh, how gullible, naive and ignorant half the fucking country are, if I had known how gullible most people are, I would have started more pyramid schemes. Or cryptocurrencies. It is just ceaseless amazement from me. The endless respect and support that he still commands from some Tories, even now. Like, don't get me wrong. I think I think some conservatives are tiring of him. I've seen some conservative commentators, contributors, suggesting that people are actually getting really fed up with 
the Boris Johnson show sucking all the oxygen out of the room was how I read it in one tweet. But he still commands a huge amount of attention and support from some corners of the Conservative Party. And I think it's because they think he's a vote winner. I think that's all it comes down to. I think they know he's a liar. They know he's untrustworthy. They wouldn't trust him alone in a room with their wives and and so on, and certainly not with any of their financial affairs. But they think he's a guy who can connect with their constituencies to some extent. I think they think, well, if I'm going to save my seat, (laughs) if I want to stand the best chance of keeping this cushy fucking life, You know, the expenses, the £85,000 salary, the grace and favour. I probably need Boris because he will tub thump and lie his way through a general election. And so, you know, then they make the calculation that it's, you know, it's better to support him and maybe keep your seat than oppose him and almost definitely 100% lose it. Like with Boris is like a 10% chance. They might inch it. Maybe the Red Wall constituency are still falling for that Brexit spiel. But if they totally disassociate themselves with him, well, then it's cast iron nail in the coffin, you know? I don't know. It's it's kind of funny, isn't it? Like you it 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 all comes from a fear of them being jobless after the general election, right? You know, they get voted out like what am I supposed to do now? Like (laughs) I can't I can't fathom what my life will be like after I leave Parliament. Like, what is my exit strategy? What's my post-parliamentary life like? Like, it always amazes me. Like, half of them have second and third jobs, don't they? You wouldn't think they would be so concerned about finding another one, (laughs) would you? Motherfucker, you've got three, like, second jobs already. Why do you care if you lose this little one? It's almost like the second and third jobs have got some sort of corruption element, some sort of relation to your first job. Anyway, still. So they're they're willing to hitch their, what's the phrase? Tie their mast or tie their flag to the Boris mast out of self-preservation. Conservatives of Britain, self-serving to the last. But the vote winner thing is, you know, misguided in my opinion it's perplexing it's baffling even because this is a guy who had an 80 seat majority at the last election right so you right you understand the the vote winner thing within context within brexit at that election and so on but it's not like he continued to command swathes of support like he in in record time he hemorrhaged that public support to the extent that, you know, after the second job scandal, he was 10 points down already. Like that was that wasn't that far in. So this idea that everything was fine when Johnson was prime minister and that he was removed against public support, that is just fantasy. By the time he left office after Partygate, After Pincher, I think they were like 12 or 15 points down. But yet still, you've got people like Mogg and fucking Brendan Clark Smith, you know, lining up to support him. Like Mogg dismissed Partygate as fluff. 
I remember. Oh, it's the exposed party gate for the fluff that it always was. I'm like, okay. All right, Moggy. And Brent, Brendan Clark Smith tweeted. Um, where is it? I've got it here somewhere. Hold on. I do prepare to, you know, on some occasions. Where is it? Okay, right. Here we go. So this was the day before. This is the day before Johnson dropped his bombshell dossier. Let's not forget that. The bombshell dossier that was going to exonerate him. This is the day before. And Brendan Clark Smith has obviously seen it or, you know, it's been published in a newspaper or, or something. But it's the day before it's supposed to be heard at the hearing. Right. And anyway, Brendan Clark Smith tweets this. He says, written submission. I'm doing a sort of Midlands Northern accent because I, I think he's from he's up, he's up that way, isn't he? He's Red Wall. Um, written submission confirms what we already knew, that Boris Johnson did not intentionally mislead the House. He made statements in good faith with the information provided to him, and he then later corrected, corrected the record, as any minister would do in similar circumstances. So, like, okay, let's, let's, let's play with that, shall we? Let's pick that apart for a second. So it starts off with this. Written submission confirms what we all already knew. Let's focus on that for a minute. Written submission confirms what we all already knew. Knew! <laughs> so what Boris Johnson wrote down and submitted confirms what we all already... Right, okay. So first up, it doesn't confirm anything. It's Johnson's side of the story. <laughs> It's a written submission. It's opinion. It's conjecture. It's not a cast iron conclusion of anything <laughs> other than this is what Boris Johnson thinks or would like us to think. And it's not what we already knew as of Tuesday when you wrote this tweet, Brendan, <laughs> because A, at that time, nobody had read it or ruled on anything. And B... We didn't know any of this because it's defensive opinion. It's not some, you know, weird smoking gun set of documents that prove he didn't knowingly mislead Parliament. It's just his drivel. Right. So straight out the gate, we're distorting and obfuscating. No. It's, you know, the written submission by the defendant almost confirms what we all already knew. We didn't know anything. It doesn't confirm anything. It's his fucking opinion. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, I don't know. Maybe Brendan needs a ghostwriter for his tweets. Can Brendan write down ghostwriter on his Christmas list to Santa, please? Don't, like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's nice that the Conservative Party are giving jobs to the mentally impaired. It is. It's a win for diversity. But maybe they should have you know, carers. <laughs> Can we get a carer for Brendan, please? We'll all chip in. You know, not not money, you understand. We'll, you know, we'll all offer generous claps, though. We will cl clap, motherfuckers. Clap for our care or for Brendan's carer. Because they could be with him, right? While he's writing his tweets, they could help. He could 
you know, maybe it'd be a cost saving. Like he wouldn't have to pay for like a junior aid anymore. He'd just have the, you know, Tories like cost, cost saving, cost cutting. It's, you know, win-win. He could dictate to them. When he writes this sort of nonsense, he, yeah. Can you just type, uh, can you just type, type that the written submission confirms what we all already knew? Could, could you just start it with that? And then, you know, the ghost writing carer can be like, well, no, no, Brendan. Um, it's his side. It doesn't doesn't confirm anything it, it, like it, it's not right right but like do, do you understand the difference between facts evidence you know confirmation and opinion no <laughs> right do, you, you don't understand the difference between facts and opinion really no no that that's right well then okay let let me leverage off that brendan by saying i think you're cognitively challenged. Oh, my God. Well, that is factually accurate then. Thinking and reality are the same things. I 100% am cognitively challenged. She could, like, butt back it. Like, yes, yes, I, I know. I know that sounds scary, Brendan. But on the plus side, right, if, if facts and opinion, if reality and just thinking some shit are, are basically the same, that means... In your mind, Brendan, if you think it, it must be reality. Oh, right. Oh, that sounds fun. So, like, I I know you like wearing your, your nice suit and, and cutting a few ribbons over here and there, but, but here's an idea, right? Why don't you just think of a unicorn and climb onto it and fuck off into the sunset and away, and away I go clippity cloppity clippity clop you know just like disappears into the distance like the long-haired lunatic that breaks free and one flew over the cookie's nest like anyway look he says in his tweet let's try and get back on track here he says the written submission confirms what we all already knew that Boris Johnson did not intentionally mislead the house he made the statements in good faith so what he's saying here he's saying he didn't lie to parliament he just said what he thought was true at the time other people told him those things then he said it to parliament and so that is a different thing to maliciously lying to parliament for your own ends which would stack up brendan were he not photographed at the fucking parties oh my god how can someone be this fucking stupid and we elect them to public office? Like, is he really this dense? He's like, well, this should, this should now totally exonerate him. Like, oh, absolutely. Yes, Columbo. Open and shut case. Clearly. He claims to have said the lies in Parliament in good faith. You say this shit confirms what we all already knew. That is... The start and finish of the case. I mean, fuck the actual photographs. <laughs> fuck the documentary evidence. Just just this. Just the fact that he says it and you say like that. Yeah, that totally exonerates him. Anyway, Brendan continues. Dictating to his carer. <laughs> He's like, he didn't mislead the house. And after 10 months, not a single piece of evidence has been produced to prove otherwise like the carer should step in again they're like brendan they have photographs <laughs> do you understand photographs <laughs> the, 
The Metropolitan, like, it, here's the thing. If you don't understand, right, think about a photograph, right? Have you thought about it? Okay, well, there it is. It's reality now, apparently. The Metropolitan Police don't, they don't just dish out fines to sitting prime ministers based on no evidence. Do you understand that? <laughs> He's like, well, what if the person says? What if they believe? If their opinion is that they didn't get a fine. And the whole thing was just a crazy dream. Oh, my God. Get back on the unicorn. Go to fuck off. Flies away on his <laughs> on his luck dragon this time from the never ending story. Flanked by a cavalcade of pink dragons or some shit like we all knew. I think I think we all knew and understood that. That the right. I, I hate using this term. Oh, you know, the left and the right. Um, but the right of the political sphere in the UK, if you like, we all knew and understood that the right quite often inhabit a different reality to the rest of us, I think. You know, what with their, you know, front page coverage of yesterday's committee hearing. I mean, I thought it was quite obvious that Johnson had his ass handed to him, right? I thought that was self-evident. To people watching it live. Look, you know, there was there was Ian Dunt live tweeting it. There was Dan Hodges live tweeting it. There's Nick Robinson from the BBC. All of these guys from different parts of the political landscape in terms of like left and right. And yet all of them were marvelling at the assassination that was taking place in this committee. And yet the Daily Mail this morning... The front page headline is a fucking Sarah Vine opinion excerpt, which in itself is just balmy, right? Putting opinion on the front page of a supposed newspaper. Just tell us what happened. Why is opinion on the front? But anyway, but the, the headline is just from another planet, like in their world. On planet Daily Mail, <laughs> Boris was agile as a cat. Really? And the chair, Harriet Harman, was thunderous or something like it. The way they've misrepresented it is like it was a sort of even Stevens showdown, you know, tip for tat, mano a mano or, or something like, no, he got publicly castrated, lads. Like what committee hearing were you watching? So they inhabit a different reality to us, clearly. And our friend Brendan, I think, lives there, too. And cynical voices in their lesser moments, you know, not not you or I, you understand. But, so you know, cynical voices may conclude that Brendan, who assumed office riding on the Brexit wave of, of 2019, might desperately want Johnson to remain in the party or else he's fucked at the next general election. You know, unless he can channel some of that sweet, sweet Brexity red wall Kool-Aid up to his constituency. And so that's where his support coming. Anyway, look, it's been a weird fucking week with all of this stuff. And one so transparently corrupt, you know, in terms of the right wing press's influence and close proximity to power. Because, you know, like, as, as I said, right, two days ago, they were running stories about Boris Johnson's bombshell dossier that was going to exonerate him. From Partygate. And I don't know which fucking 
committee these clowns were watching yesterday, but like I witnessed precisely zero exoneration going on. It was fucking laughable. It was hilarious, in fact, watching him get skewered and backed into corners as this final reckoning, in spite of his £200,000 lawyers that we're all paying for, who've been prepping him for months. <laughs> Honestly, I was having a great time yesterday. I had more fun watching Sky News yesterday than I had at warehouse parties in my 20s, guys. It was like, who, who did you get the assurances from, Mr. Johnson? You know, you said you said you got assurances and, you know, that's how you were armed. You were equipped to be able to say at the dispatch box that you had assurances. Well, in order for that to be your get out of jail free card, who gave you the assurances? I, I promised I, I wouldn't reveal their names uh, public. Oh, well, how fucking convenient. <laughs> That is like, I don't know, me looking at you, dear listener. You're holding a dead body and a knife and you're covered in blood. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck happened? Did you just kill that bitch? And you're like, uh, no. <laughs> well, who did then? Uh, I'm not telling. <laughs> like, you need a better story than that. And to be fair, you know what? He, he kind of did. He did have a marginally better story well adapted story updated story he ended up in true boris johnson fashion he ended up upholding his loyalty to these two people whom he had promised he wouldn't reveal their names he ended up staying loyal to them for just as long as it took until his silence became detrimental to his personal situation in that moment and then he sang their names And then it turned out, you know, it was his director of comms. So not even, you know, a civil servant, not even a high ranking, you know, Downing Street or Conservative Party or process or COVID public health type person. Just his fucking press guy. Nobody that would know anything about the rules, the laws that they had constructed. Nobody that helped him to write them or would know anything about the guidance. Remember, it's, it was laws for us. It was £10,000 fines for us. For them, it's just guidance. It's like a magic trick. It's very, very serious. Absolute. Oh, yeah. No, you can't break these. This is the Coronavirus Act. If you break this law, we will fine you 10000 Oh, fuck. You caught me doing... Uh, well, I mean, they were just guidelines, really. It was just guidelines. And even then, right, after he had sung their names, effectively, you know, put them out in the open, thrown them under the thrift, £350 million a, a week bus. Even then, it turned out that the assurance that he had been given was actually a retrospective <laughs> media line by the press guys. Like, you know, you should just say you've been assured guidelines were followed. You know, that's what you should say. Like, if they ask about this, if Pippa... Um, at the mirror, if the Guardian keep pushing on this, you should just say that you've been assured that guidelines were... Like, that is not an assurance. <laughs> that is some meta levels deep nonsense. That is effectively like... that. Here's, here's the exchange, right? The nuts and bolts of the exchange was like this, right? Harriet Harman goes like, um, where's, where's your assurance? And Boris goes, uh, it was from this guy. And then it's like she's looking at... Uh, did you assure him that, that no guidelines? Uh, 
No, I said he can say that he was assured that no rules were broken because that that would make a good line for the media. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, that's that's actually a bit fucked up. I, okay, I'd like to move on to my next question. And then Boris is like, oh, oh thank God. <laughs> and then Harmon's like, yeah, here's my next question. Are you mental? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, like the absolute nonsense that we were witnessing yesterday was just on another planet. But yeah, like across a lot of the papers the other day, they were treating this defence, this dossier, this Johnson statement as though it was going to flip the script. You know, like, yeah, he seems down and out. You think you've got him in the corner, but wait till you see what he's got up his sleeve, guys. That headline from The Telegraph again. Don't forget it. Boris Johnson's bombshell that will exonerate him <laughs> from party game. And it's funny, like, this is when you know it's they're kind of fucked, right? Because that's The Telegraph. But then you've got the male's Dan Hodges, right? Not a, you know, weeping bleeding heart liberal by any stretch routinely bashes Starmer and Labour takes any opportunity that he can to bash Labour in fact frothed himself stupid for two weeks over the Kears Beers non-story anyway after the Telegraph said Boris Johnson's bombshell that will exonerate him from Partygate Dan Hodges the night before the committee hearing after he's seen this dossier right <laughs> as people had read this statement or the submission from Boris Johnson, Dan Hodges from the mail, he tweets this. He goes, one thing is clear. The claim this bombshell dossier would exonerate Boris as his allies were briefing was itself a complete fabrication. Like Hodges is at least highlighting the ridiculousness of all this and publicly shaming the Telegraph in the process. Although, you know, he stopped short of naming Camilla Turner you know, tagging Will Hazel, the pair of them who wrote that piece. I don't know if they wrote the headline, but fucking bombshell that will exonerate from party. Like, I remember reading that and going, that's going to have to be some fucking dossier. <laughs> that's going to have to be a magic document. Some sports almanac from Back to the Future shit to eradicate the photos, the Met finds, the contradictory statements, erase all of our memories. <laughs> I mean, I'm not ruling it out, but, you know, on the balance of probabilities, guys. Isn't it more likely <laughs> that the Telegraph are just witlessly supporting their boy Boris and hoping if they really amp it up, it might somehow influence reality? Like, what was the hope there that if they really amped it up, Harriet Harman would look at the Telegraph and go, oh, fuck, yeah, maybe she, we better be nice to him. Like, no. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, lo and behold, two days later, you know, fellow right winger Hodges is like, uh, well, hang on. No, that was obviously bullshit, guys. And here's what gets me, man. Like, don't these people, these Telegraph hacks, these Brendan Clark Smiths, the Jonathan Gullises of the world, the people who, at a moment's notice, they get a phone call from Boris Johnson's junior aide or whoever he's employing with his 
you know, IT magnate, one million pound record breaking donation that he received in autumn last year. Like whoever it is that he's employing with that money, they phone through. Like, don't these people, when they get that phone call to say, yeah, would you mind um, jumping on Twitter and taking a picture of yourself wearing a Bring Back Boris T-shirt and make sure you use the hashtag I'm backing Boris and just really amp me up. Like, don't these people ever get tired? <laughs> of being led up the fucking hill right to the top of the hill by this de facto sort of you know, cult leader only to witness him shit himself every fucking time you know i'm i'm, I'm flying home from holiday i think i might go for the leadership everyone quick wear one of these t-shirts and put it on twitter and tell everyone i'm backing Boris. and then two days later the campaign falls to pieces like what is it going to take for the writers of the telegraph for brendan clark smith for reese mogg and the rest of them to go hang on even though i haven't marched people to the top of the hill you know and publicly soiled myself by proxy you're making me look really fucking stupid. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'll just distance myself from this motherfucker for a bit. You know? What is it going to take? Like, I honestly think, I think it's a question of self-worth for a lot of these guys. Of self-esteem. I think when, you know, Brendan Clark Smith or Mog or Gullis or Francois or you know any of them I think I think all of the bring back Boris Brigade I honestly think they think like the best we can do or the best they can do in the Conservative Party is a posh guy who lies to them you know I think that's their that's the most that they can expect that's in their minds that is the peak that's the best they could do. it's like it's like when you have a mate who gets together with a really beautiful shit bag you know could be male could be female if it's female you know maybe she's super hot and she's blonde she's got perfect tits and a vice tight vagina just perfect <laughs> except she's completely untrustworthy you know always pictured with her ex-boyfriend and and when he asks her about it she's like what like we're just we're just friends god like don't don't you trust me oh i'm sorry i'm sorry all your exes hate you but jesus like do i have to tell you about every time i grab lunch with anyone like and he sticks with her because his self-esteem is just so through the barrel you know through the foundations of the house just no self-esteem he's like well you know i guess I guess this is the best that I can do. This is all I deserve. Like, what? Like, who else is there? Go out. Go find something. Like, that is the Tories right now. Except instead of it being someone, you know, sexually attractive, it's a, it's a shaven albino yeti who is also hugely untrustworthy. But instead of them being, you know, like in, in that situation where they should go, do you know what? Maybe we should find someone else. Maybe, maybe we don't have to put... Instead of that, what they do, what they conclude is like, well, this is the best that we can do. I mean, I mean, who else is there? I mean, like, all we're all worse than him. You know, like it's, it's just, I don't know. It's a question of self-esteem, I think. And of course, from Johnson to Trump over stateside, feels very much like a reckoning for right-wing populists this week, or certainly like this coming fortnight, doesn't it? We've got Boris 
potentially getting kicked out of British politics. I don't think that that will happen, by the way, unfortunately. But we have the potential there. If we wanted to, we could. But regardless of, you know, what the committee decides, like here's, here, here is what is likely to happen, to my mind, right? The committee will find that he lied to Parliament uh, knowingly in one case, maybe two, and then they will recommend X or Y. But then it will go to MPs who then have a chance to vote with the recommendation or to, what's the word, to ratify it. Uh, or they can choose to ignore it or to reject it, right? Which makes perfect sense when you think of it. Like, why not ultimately hand the decision over to the majority party most likely to be embarrassed by it? Like, I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? This is what I mean when I say the whole thing needs overhauling. And I know it won't be because, you know, tradition and mother of all parliaments and, and all that. But come on, like, how, how can you put your name down for a system that when, when your party's leader is found to have lied to Parliament, and this is for some reason, you know, tried, for want of a better word, outside the regular legal system. Like, if I had my way, he should be properly prosecuted for it, for attacking demo democracy or whatever. But he's not, you know, it's in a committee. It's in a parliamentary committee setting. It makes, like, how can it make, how could you put your name down to a system where that, decision gets handed back to the same party to decide if they support it or not you know i mean do we need a metaphor here do we like do, do you need a metaphor guys dear listeners or is that just so balls to the wall ridiculous that it's obvious to even the most fervent of boris cheerleaders that it is a little corrupt right anyway so where was i what were we talking about his submission statement originally and then and then the tabloid reactions to it um what else came out of the, the hearing yesterday i thought was quite interesting oh yeah like so it closed off uh well did it close off with this i don't know like it was sort of near to the end anyway where they did something quite clever uh the chap i can't remember his name is it costa something costa and then harriet Harmon. they were saying you know a few of your cheerleaders they didn't use this language i'm paraphrasing but they said like a few of your cheerleaders uh have described this committee as a kangaroo court and then they asked him they said do you regret that sort of language do you find that language regrettable and they're basically saying to him will you distance yourself will you condemn those people who support you but describe this committee as a kangaroo court. And I thought that was really clever because what they're doing there is they, like they were pushing him to condemn that language, but he couldn't do it. He, it was obvious that he was very uncomfortable distancing himself from these people who actively, fervently support him. So he, he was like, he didn't distance himself. He didn't condemn it. They asked him two or three times and then begrudgingly on the last time he said, well, yes, 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 sure. But it was not convincing at all. And the reason that he couldn't do that is because he might need these motherfuckers in two or three weeks time. <laughs> and they said, you know, would you accept the finding of this committee if it rules against you? They were really sort of clever to like push him to legitimize the committee that may well end up propelling him from political power. And I thought that was really interesting that here is this guy who can't quite bring himself to distance himself from this volatile um, I don't want to say violent language because it's not violent, but it's like, 
you know, it evokes almost January the 6th in America levels of um, anti-establishmentism. God, wouldn't have predicted that I was going to come out with a word like that. Fuck me. We've been talking for 44 minutes here, guys. I need to go. I need to I need to propel myself from this establishment called my shed. Uh, if you are enjoying these podcasts, uh, the solo ones and the guested ones on Friday nights, please do consider joining the Patreon. Uh, I put all episodes on there first. They go on Patreon for two days uh, and then they re-emerge on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a bunch of other places um, uh, a couple of days later. Also, if you join the, uh, the Patreon, you get access to the Discord chat. There's uh, 19 of us now. Um, and we talk shit about Tories, we share memes, I put ideas about like upcoming podcasts, and I give you guys the scoop on what I've got coming up. So last night I was on LBC with Ian Dale, I was talking about that in there. Um, what else? What else have we got going on? Uh, you get an RSS feed, uh, which will take the podcast and feed it, like still two days early, but directly into your chosen podcast player. So you don't have to listen to it on Patreon. You can still get those episodes straight in. You also get, uh, we've got a London meetup happening. So we did one in October, doing another one at the end of April, Friday, the 28th of April. We're having an in-person meetup for the Patreon backers. Uh, so if you want to get involved in this sort of stuff, and I've got a live gig coming up in July, if you want first look at the tickets for that, do jump on patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an I-N on the end. Uh, that's it from me for this one. Take care of yourselves. I'll be back tomorrow night. See, normally I do these solo shows on Wednesday, but because I was out in London last night, uh, I didn't get a chance to do it. Um, but tomorrow night for the guested show, I've got comedian, uh, content creator, and kind of bizarrely Brexiter. Oh, I'm going to call him alt-right as well. He and I do not agree on an awful lot uh, but we do make each other laugh so uh he's going to come on the podcast and we'll probably argue and talk shit and drink beer i think it's gonna be a fun one so that's tomorrow night live half past seven on youtube uh, and then that will go on patreon for a couple of days also until next time take care of yourselves i'm out peace <laughs>